You're listening to the IFF TV podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Football fan TV, this is the final word. Serbia 3, Republic of Ireland 2 in Belgrade. I'm joined by Gary Spain and Gerard Brown. And I suppose, Gary, you were at the game. Ger, you were watching the game like I was. But uh, I suppose the big talking points from the lineup, just to start off with, you know, Shane Duffy was left on the bench. Jeff Hendrick was left on the bench. Um, I'd say some people were saying it was for the better. I think the one with Duffy, though, in my opinion, it's just purely he hasn't played since uh, over a month ago and to be brought back in for such a big game it wouldn't really made sense he probably would have said before previously that Shane Duffy just couldn't miss regardless but I think the fact that O'Shea and Clark were both available and both playing regularly at Premier League level that they you know came in there and Seamus Coleman talking in on that right side of the three centre-backs made sense and everyone was asking for it. and we got I suppose the formation that we were all looking for to kind of play to our Saints to 3-5-2 which is another talking point but Gary when you saw that line up what were you thinking because you were obviously at the game yeah so I, we talked quite a lot about playing three at the back because playing a system to suit the players we have available so uh, to me it made sense but I was still surprised I mean, when we were talking about it, Paul, I did say I, I think it's probably too soon to do it in Belgrade because there was only two training sessions to work with the team, plus the fact that Stephen was normally, right through his career with Dundalk, he would normally play 4-3-3. So, um, so the formation was a surprise to me, but I, frankly, it was a good surprise. Then you go back to the lineup, and you mentioned the big call in Shane Duffy, the big call in Jeff Hendrick. I mean, you can also say it was a huge call to leave out the likes of Robbie Brady, leave out James McLean, and even leave out Shane Long, who I know hasn't played that much, but he's still... Um, so I, I did say it after the game, I thought it was very much a changing of the guard, that this is Stephen deciding to go with the younger players that he has had at under-21 level. I mean, to go with Josh Cullen, to go with Darrow O'Shea, and even to go with Jason Malumbi, who had done so well in the autumn, but is probably not getting the, the game time. So I, I think he made all the big calls uh, based on the younger players rather than making... You can say, OK, he chose Darrow O'Shea because he's playing regularly at Premier League level and Shane Duffy's not getting a lot of game time. But Jeff Hendrick is playing regularly at Premier League level and Jason Malumbi is not getting game time in the, in the Championship or in the Premier League with Brighton before he went on loan to Preston. But Jason Malumbi had done superbly when Stephen played him in the autumn. He looked our best player and we were all saying in December, well certainly I was saying, I'll speak for myself, I was saying I can't believe how Jason Malumbi is not getting game time with Brighton. I was delighted when he went to Preston and he did get a couple of games, and then he, he's not getting game time. And I, I still say it, I cannot believe how he is not getting game time because when I see him in a green shirt, he looks a, a really promising player. But successive managers at club level don't seem to give him the chance. The chance that he had at Millwall last year, last season, because he did really, really well at Millwall as well. But So, yeah, maybe I'm going off the topic a little bit, but I... Stephen... 
I think the big thing out of the lineup for me is that Stephen went with the younger players rather than he went for the players that are getting game time or he went for the players that uh, he knew from the autumn that did so well for him. Because, I mean, Shane Duffy has never let Ireland down. He's been one of our standout performers. So if you're looking at Shane Duffy in a green shirt, he's nailed on to start. And really, the only reason that Shane Duffy, to me, didn't play is because he's getting a hard time at Celtic and he hasn't got a lot of game time and he's he's he shipped a lot of criticism. Some of it, I think, is actually unfair. Um, but that's, OK, I'll, I'll accept my biased Irish hat on. I, I don't think he, he, he has taken the, the, the mountain of, a mountain of the blame for the fact that Celtic didn't get 10 in a row. And I think part of the issue is that Shane went there on, on on big Premier League wages and on a big loan fee, because I, I've watched some Celtic games and Shane has done really well, and uh, I don't think he's got the credit for that. And now I appreciate he's been the, the fault of a couple of goals, but anyway. So my the reason I believe that Stephen did not pick Shane Duffy on Wednesday night was because of his Celtic form. But then he did pick the likes of Jason Malumbi purely. Well, he hasn't played Irish since form. Valentine's Day as well, Gary. Not, yeah, but Jason Malumbi, uh, how much game time has Jason Malumbi got since Valentine's well, he's Day? Still played, you know, but he still but he, Very little, very little, Paul, though. And, and Jeff Hendrick has played virtually every game for Newcastle at some point. He's on the bench for some of them, but um, I know he's been taken off in a lot of them, but he's he's got a lot of game time in the Premier League. So Robbie Brady's got a quite a bit of game time lately for Burnley since he came back from injury. And I mean, he would have been a mainstay of Irish teams before that. And uh, so it's... I, I, uh, I, I, dis- I disagree with you, but anyway. Okay, well, we can we can all disagree. That's fine. But I mean, I, 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 I kind of feel that Stephen in this game very much went for the younger players that he knows and trusts and... Uh, even if you want to take the Aaron Connolly call, Aaron Connolly ahead of James McLean. And uh, no, I, personally, I would have gone for Aaron Connolly as well, but he's had very little game time. Now, and James, in fairness to him, I mean, he showed up for this game when quite a lot of players would not, because I, I, I think it's quite obvious that Stoke didn't want James McLean to be in Belgrade on, on Wednesday night. He's, he's just coming back from injury. And, uh, and uh, look... I'm absolutely delighted with James's commitment, his heart and everything. And he's so committed to playing for us. But, uh, and, and in fairness, when a lot of players wouldn't. So it must have hurt him that he didn't uh, start the match. And you no, know, he did come off the bench, obviously. But um, yeah, so I, I, my, my view of the lineup was uh, surprised with the formation, but that it, it was very much a case of Stephen trusting and going with the younger players and I wonder is that going to be the case uh, from now on well I think with you know I'll come to your thoughts in a sec chair but I think with, with Connolly and McLean one's a striker one's a winger so it was naturally it was always going to be Connolly or Shane Long that was going to partner either Callum Robinson and, and James Collins anyway in my opinion but Jerry, what were your thoughts anyway yeah, I was surprised at the starting line, but I didn't think this was going to be a game where he's kind of going to be kind of bold. It's kind of a bit annoying that maybe for one reason or another that he didn't go with this formation during the Nations League and we would have had a chance to build on it as opposed to waiting to Wednesday night that for one reason or another, this wasn't the team that played in Sofia last September in his first match. Obviously, we know what everything happened since with COVID 
he never would have got a chance to kind of build on this team. But like we're all about like the Shane Duffy um, situation. But as you touched on there, like we had all our defenders available to us were all playing Premier League. Now, with the exception of Coleman, they're all with struggling clubs who more than likely possibly could be in championship next season. Definitely Darrow Shea and West Brom, yeah. Newcastle and, and Kieran Clark. That's on a knife edge really at the moment, isn't it? But I think overall, like I know why we conceded three goals. I, I don't think you can really play any crime or any blame on the defence. I thought Darrow Shea was probably one of our best players and night. You could possibly be a little bit crit- critical of him for the first goal. He was maybe just caught a little bit kind of napping on the wrong side after flick on from Tadic. But as we were kind of saying off air, I would kind of put more blame on Clark. I think when you come out and commit like that, you've, you know, you've got to go, got to win and you've got to go for it. And like you said, I think it was even a bit tame going up for that ball. Like even what uh, Gary was saying there about Hendrick and uh, Malumbi's situation, I get like where he's coming from, but like, I don't know why I've, I've questioned a lot what I do in my spare time, but one of them is watching a lot of Newcastle United this season. But even when Jeff Hendrick does play for Newcastle, he doesn't do anything. Like He hasn't done anything in a green shirt in a long time. I'm kind of sick and tired of waiting for this is going to be the game. This is going to be the campaign where we're going to see the old Jen Hef- Jeff Hendrick. It hasn't happened. Malumbi is showing promise in the Nations League and he wants to stick with the youth. He seems to recycle like him in train one level. I get where you're coming from. He hasn't played a press. And I think that's the situation because he's gone in there and quickly after he joined Preston, their form has dipped. They're now not far off the relegation zone. I think Alex Neal panicked, went for tried and trusted. Now he's been sacked or been let go. So Preston have a new manager. So I think that's a first chance for Malumbi. Now, Malumbi, I think you can kind of tell by him. He hasn't played a lot of football. He was a little bit rash. He gave away a couple of free kicks. I think maybe he was kind of trying a little bit hard. And then with the uh, Connolly and McLean situation, it was it was always going to be a gamble to start one of them anyway. Um because, you know, neither of them fitness-wise were probably going to be that sharp anyway. Like, Conley initially was ruled out of this match and somehow made it back. Um, McLean, as we touched on there, like Michael O'Neill made it pretty clear after Stokes' last match that he didn't think he was fit. So it was always going to be hard to know. But I think it's a lineup to build on going forward. Like, there's still a lot of positives. I know it's disappointing because it was a game that was so crucial in this group. But there's a lot of positives with that lineup. I'm looking at, like, O'Shea, Malumbi, they're only, what, like, 21 Cullen's 24, Brown is 25, Connolly's 21. Like, that's nearly half the team that's all the right side of 25. So that's kind of good and it's encouraging. And all the hits, like Seamus Coleman, I thought was very good as well the other night. You know, he really used his kind of good football brain, I thought. So still plenty of positives. It's a lineup I still like, and it's definitely a lineup I hope we see a lot more of throughout this campaign. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, we'll go through the game. I suppose the first 10, 15 minutes, there was nothing really happening. There was a lot of just corners for both both teams, you know. And uh, I thought, you know, I, we kept to our shape very well. For a team that haven't played this formation before in terms of under Stephen Kenny, I felt as though we, we kept our um, shape very well. I, I watched the game again last night, and I have to say, I didn't think it when I was watching it on the watch-along. But I suppose every couple of seconds, you're looking down, you're looking at comments and stuff, so you're not... 100% fully in concentration of the game but when I watched it back I have to say Josh Cullen for the way we've been crying out for a midfielder for so long to come in deep take the ball and turn and maybe even you know take the press away being able to turn them over and he just did it and you know he battles and everything that we had said building up to the game about Josh Cullen and why he should start I think he embodied that and showed that uh, throughout this game but just the te- first 10-15 minutes I felt as though sh- shape boys defensively 
um, we worked really well and as a team and and kept our shape very very well. We didn't let we limited them to very very little early on, and we tried to play it out a little bit as well, which I thought was really good. Gary, you uh, you were obviously there. I, I must mention the pitch looked in bits as well. Players are slipping everywhere, by the way. Yeah, I was a bit um, I was a bit surprised at the pitch. It it didn't look uh, because the weather in in Belgrade was was pretty good. It was like here, it was pretty dry and everything. So I'm I'm not sure why the pitch wasn't as good. I was actually very impressed with the start, Paul, because normally if you go away, particularly away against a, a higher ranked team, which Serbia were, kind of the traditional thing would be keep it twi- keep it tight for the first twenty minutes. And uh, you mentioned the corners, but we we had a go at them right at the start, and we got uh, two or three corners in the first five or six minutes, and. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised at that, and uh, so they obviously had a go at us as well, but uh, not a huge amount of chances, as you say. But I, I thought it was a very positive start, and it wasn't a case that we were going to go there and sit back and try and get a nil-nil for ninety minutes. That was certainly not what transpired, but certainly not the case as well. Chair. Yeah, good, solid start. As you said, like, you know, it's very encouraging early on inside the open 60 seconds and you see us winning the corner down the right-hand side. But with Mark Doherty, that obviously led to another corner. Just disappointing, I suppose, to delivery on, on both cases. But, yeah, as you said, like, from an away team to show early emphasis, like, that's been the front foot. But, again, as I said, we were very, very solid and, and compacted. Um, I know that the early RT stats were showing that they were having a lot of the ball. But that was expected, but, like, we never... Never looked like coughing up many chances or anything else like that. We looked kind of good and solid and secure. And it was definitely like watching the game early on, you would have taken encouragement from it. And did you definitely felt that we were going to definitely be able to compete and be in this game? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, obviously, in the seventh, uh, 17th minute, we got our goal. Um, it was a good bit of play out, uh, obviously, on the right-hand side. Matt Doherty crosses in a bit of an aimless ball but we managed to get it back through Alan Brown he cross, or he hits the ball out to end of Stevens good bit of play good bit of movement by Callum Robinson as well he gets on the ball he stands up the cross Alan Brown heads home our first goal in so long and I have to say it was a wonderful wonderful feeling uh, to see us scoring a goal I honestly questioned when is the next time we'd actually score a goal so to see it going in it was such a shock and it was such a relief I'm sure you've obviously seen the the footage from the the goal that uh, from the watch along of the ball going in and stuff like that so it was obviously great Gary for you inside the stadium what was it like yeah it was unbelievable Paul it was really great and uh maybe you need to actually watch the goal a few times to to appreciate how good it was and how well Alan Brown did because he was involved twice in the build-up as you said he got the ball back when uh, Matt Doherty effectively gave it away, but th- there was a lot of um, players involved in it. Andy Stevens was involved just briefly, but setting up Callum Robinson did really, really well on the left, and uh, it was a lovely cross that he stood up. And Alan Brown had made the run from midfield, having fed Andy Stevens, and uh, it was a great header as well. So very well worked, very good team goal, and uh, what a start! I mean, whatever having been started on the front foot it was great then to go and absolutely go a goal ahead and uh, things were looking really good at that point and uh, that must have given the team quite a lot of confidence Yeah, Chair, when you saw the goal, were you buzzing? Yeah, it was a big relief it's been a long, long time, I think seven games but yeah, just as as you kind of touched on there, like that kind of move kind of sums up more the style of football that we want to see under Stephen Kenyon, and we'll touch on the second half. We had a couple of good build-up plays like that. But even when 
know, Adam Brown had the ball out onto the left uh, end of Stevens. Like, as we say, like, he gets involved in the move twice. The fact that he shows initiative to get into the box, then it's really encouraging when Stevens gets the ball. There's someone coming off his shoulder, making the overlap in Callan Robinson. Does really well, gains that extra little bit of yard and puts a good cross in. It's interesting, so I listened to Adam Brown after the game, like, kind of touching on that little bit of connection himself and Robinson we've had from them Preston from their Preston days. So he knew exactly kind of where to be, what he was going to do when he got that ball. Again, maybe a little bit as well, a little bit of fortune. Another day, another referee might have been a little bit pickier. Brown had a little bit more force in his elbow going up. It could have been a free out, but thankfully luck was on our side for that. He was probably just the right side of kind of um, aggression as such. And it was a lovely, lovely header. Went into the back of net. Look, this matter was a good goal. It was a nice goal. Once we finally scored, it was a big relief. But yeah, because like the first 15 minutes were really encouraging. And then when you see that, you're thinking, great, brilliant. Now we've got something to build on it and kick on. And as we're going to touch on, like most of the rest of the first half was very positive. Yeah, well, I think that that what you said is perfectly put. Like they literally had the lion's share of possession. They couldn't really do it because we were just set up so so well, and we did limit them. Like they they were getting in behind a couple of times. I remember Coleman made Coleman made a really good interception, and uh, when they kind of came over the back of Darrow Shea, and he it actually went out for a goal kick. It was just really defended well. Coleman spotted the danger. I think it might have been Vlahovic who was getting in behind. And just we kept we, we nullified them really well up until a point and then they had that little bit of ma- bit of magic between uh, Tadic and Vlahovic. Uh, for me, when that ball comes to Tadic, you're expecting you know, Tadic is known for his aerial ability. Do you know what I mean? I'd be expecting Kieran Clark to go through body and matter ball and man there and win the header. Because it for me, it's bread and butter for a centre-back to be winning that, especially the size of Clark in comparison to Tadic. But in, in Tadic's defence, it was an absolutely unbelievable header. It was such a good pass that it was just laid on a plate. And Vlaovic, again, another fella who's, who's banging them in in Serie A for Fiorentina and a really good finish, in my opinion. Like You can sit here and criticise players all you like, but I just think sometimes you have to applaud a good goal when it goes in. And... You know, from a defensive point of view, you say, "Oh well, we could have defend, we could have defended." Sometimes, in my opinion, when it's played like that, I just think, for me, Clark should be doing better. But after that, I think the the finish is a wonderful finish. I mean, he can only put it in one area that Travers can't get it, and he puts it in that one area. You know. Yeah, I mean, Travers hadn't actually made a save uh, when uh, until that goal went in, so. I think we, that needs to be said, even though, as you said, Paul, Serbia did have quite a lot of possession. I think the half-time stats were something like 69-31 possession in favour of the home side. But that was the first um, the first time Mark Travers was actually being tested. Now, I wouldn't have any blame with him on the first goal. But, yeah, I, I, I agree fully about Kieran Clark. Dusan Tadic was my man of the match, but he is quite a small player, and to win, and he was a beautiful header. It was perfectly positioned, perfectly cushioned, as you said, for Vlahovic. But you would expect someone like Kieran, Kieran Clark to, if necessary, get man and ball and, and just win win that header. And uh, Vlahovic, he, as he took, I thought he took the goal really well. He is an informed striker in Serie A. He got a hat-trick there a couple of weeks ago uh, for Fiorentina and he got an assist, um, I think it was against Milan there last weekend. So he is... 
he is a form striker. I was actually talking to uh, a Serbian journalist about him, and he reckons uh, Dusan Vlahovic is going to go to a massive club probably in the summer. Now, Fiorentina by no means a small club. I know they've won European trophies and they're okay. They're maybe not one of the top four or five clubs in Italy, but they certainly would be. You'd expect them to be in the top half of Serie A, so they're still quite a big club. But he sees Vlahovic as being. Uh, a top striker with a top European club, one of the top three or four clubs in the one of the top leagues, and so that's I mean to me that's a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, uh, a Liverpool, a Manchester United, a Manchester City, or someone like that. So he sees Vlahovic as being that good, or potentially to, to be that good, and certainly the, the way he took that goal, uh, I, I thought it was a great finish. But it was really frustrating that five minutes before half time, it it was their first proper effort on goal, the first time Mark Travers would have had to make a save, and it was really frustrating that they got the equaliser out of that, given that much of the their their play and their possession had been in front of us without posing too much of a threat. Jay? Yeah, pretty much just as kind of as Gary just touched on there, like the timing of it, just five minutes before half time was such a blow for us, considering that we looked so comfortable in the game. Echoed by the fact, as Gary said, they didn't even have a shot on target. So it, it wasn't even like as if we were kind of clinging on for half time. We were almost, I almost just felt like as if half time was just going to come there and we're going to be one nil up. So it was a bit of a setback and a dis- well, more than a bit, it was a big setback. And again, I'd echo as well what you were saying. Uh, Paul, like, you know, for me, Clark has got to win that. Tadic, it's not like he was a Mitrovic, you know, he's a big physical man there. He's a small, nice little player, make, player maker, likes the ball on, on, down the, on the ground. And Clark, you know, when, when he commits and comes out like that, he's got to win it. Like, and I, I do kind of just think that, like, looking back, like, you know, was he 100% kind of fully committed going for it? Because he just, you know, said, like, he didn't get the vibe that he went out for that ball, like, right, I'm going to get this ball, and man. Maybe he was afraid of giving away a free kick in a decent area or something else like that. But um, no, then when it came to Flavich, yeah, as I touched on, maybe you could be a little bit critical of a shade. I was maybe just caught a little bit napping the wrong side. But look, as you say, like at the end of the day, it was from a Serbia point of view, it was a well-worked goal and it was well taken. And Flavich, yeah, you know, 21 years of age, um, he's flying it in Syria. He is a player that we're talking about, Stephen Kelly and George Hamilton, that Serbia do have big hopes for. So in general, their front three, Flavich, Juric and Tadic, like particularly Tadic and Juric in that first half when they were struggling. Everything kind of seemed to go through them. They were kind of always looking to make things happen. When they give the ball, they're always looking for that return pass. It mightn't have always worked out, but they worked endlessly, endlessly for the Serbia cause and that obviously continued in the second half. But as it just touched on then, like how a goal can change a game, because in the last five minutes, we just kind of were clinging on a little bit. Travers made a good save at the near post, went out for the corner. I think I'm correct in saying that was the resulting corner where Tadic uh, tried to score directly from it, but obviously, thankfully, it didn't go in. Travers then getting across. Thankfully, from his own point of view, he didn't have a serious collision with the post, but it was so annoying by the end of the first half, a game that we were largely in control of for 35, 40 minutes. We were kind of delighted to be going into the break 1-0, at one each when we should have been 1-0. This is the IFF TV Podcast. We just want to take a quick break to speak about our sponsors for this video and podcast, Team Fipe. As you can see in the image here, some of the clubs that Team Fipe has acquired, Shamrock Rovers being the main one so far. 
Team FeePay is an easy to use online payment platform that covers management and administration, finance, club development, communication, governance and COVID track and trace. Club administrators save hours of time with Team FeePay, save time on administration and finance. You can quickly confirm, decline and record attendance at club sessions and events. With a new database created, parents and players register with the system which in turn creates and builds a player database for the club. Team groups can be easily set up for easy access to data. Real-time transaction updates. Team FeePay keeps club administrators or team managers updated on processed payments but also flags up incomplete transactions and automatically emails the payee to give notice of a future attempt. Team FeePay already works with over 1,000 leagues, clubs and academies and are growing all the time. Team FeePay is proud to be helping clubs across multiple sports. Team FeePay is free to use, it's free to install by all of their members. There are no hidden fees, there is no sign up fee, no annual fee and no monthly membership fee. The processing fee, Team FeePay charge a very modest fee for any financial transaction that they process similar to the bank or other credit card processor fees. Book your Zoom demo today at teamfeepay.com or call on plus 353-1526-7499. This is the IFF TV Podcast. You yeah, know, I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, I was going to come to the Travers part, but you've, you've kind of uh, touched over. I think that people, you know, I know Lars at the end of the game, people were going to criticise him for the second goal. We'll come to that in a sec. But... That that save just before half time was massive because if that goes in, you know, at that point we're going, Oh no, like we've literally turned over two goals in absolute no time after being so comfortable for so long. But I think largely in large parts from in my opinion, I, I feel like you've just said that we limited them to so many little chances or so little chances and then we go in, it's one one. I I still thought we were the better team in the first half. I actually thought we were the best better team for the first hour of the game, if I'm being honest, because I I felt as though just our shape, we stuck to our game plan, we stuck to our task, and the, I'd mentioned before I was interested to see how we'd actually do when we went to goal up. I wanted to see how we'd kind of do with that, and I thought we were doing well. As I said, it was just a little kind of flip of the switch, and next minute they scored a goal, and then the game kind of turned a little bit on its head. But once we got into half time, I think it kind of calmed down. I'd say Stephen had a word with them, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing, and um, that's how we took the lead. And then we came out into the second half. Then, um, you know, the the, the kind of only real chance I have down here on my notes is like Flatovich's offside goal and that for me was the danger signs were coming then at that point he got in I think Clark just stepped up in fairness to him and Vlahovic went in and he still even though it was offside it was a good finish and I think he's going to be a lethal player I think we need to really be wary of him uh, when we play them again I think he is a really good finisher and I think you've seen that from the first goal I don't think too many would have finished that the way he finished it um, past Travers do you know Literally, it was one chance, one goal, boom, lethal, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, at that point, you know, then I have, uh, we literally go up the other end and Aaron Connolly is fouled in the box and it should have been a penalty. On, on replays, I watched back since, it was a penalty. He went through the he went through Aaron Connolly. But Gary, you obviously in the stadium. Was there many shouts for a penalty or what was the story there? Uh, mine? I thought, I, I thought it was a penalty. I... Um... 
on, on first watch, it looked a penalty to me. Uh, I've watched it back a few times, and uh, I still think it is a penalty. If you, it actually depends on what angle you watch it at, because if you watch it from one angle, it looks nailed on penalty. If you watch it from another angle, it's possibly got the ball. But even if he got the ball, I think he goes through Aaron Connolly first because of the angle the defender is coming at. And, uh, I mean, you can call me biased or something, but I think that's a penalty you get every time at home and maybe away from home, even if there wasn't a hostile crowd, because obviously there were no fans, that maybe the, re the referee doesn't give it to the away team. Now, having said that, there was a penalty shout a, a few minutes later, uh, which uh, it, it probably comes under the, I've seen them given, in fact, it probably was a penalty, uh, but then you don't get the second chance of a penalty. Obviously, if we got the first penalty and scored it, the, the the whole play would have been different, so maybe the second second penalty to Serbia wouldn't have come either, which the referee also uh, decided wasn't a penalty. But I, I thought Stephen was unlucky in that point because he, we were right in the game, and had we gone two one up with half an hour to play, I don't think there's any way we would have lost the game. Yeah, Jer. At that point, how are you feeling? Because obviously there was the penalty. Uh, Coleman slips. They could have had a penalty. And uh, obviously then Vlahovic with the, with the offside goal, which for me was, was danger signs, you know, that they could still get in behind. Yeah, and then there was uh, just a long-range shot as well that Vlahovic nearly got in the end of as well. But we had a couple of good attacks as well. We had one down the left-hand side, I think Robinson, uh, no, sorry, Stevens put a good cross in the box and Robinson just couldn't quite get to it. Unfortunately, the defender got there ahead of him, but he was pretty much square on, dead straight of the goal. So we've made a clean contact with that only. 14, 15 yards out. Who knows that could have went. Then we had a good move as well down the right-hand side. Doherty push um, a good ball into the box that put out for a corner. I felt overall, in general, our standards of set pieces from deliveries. I think this is probably where we missed Conor Hurrahan last night. Uh, or maybe even if Robbie Brady had started the game. Uh, we're not great. I know like Brown put one in and wasn't great, but um, I think Doherty still managed to get his head on it. But they're always kind of struggling to beat the first man or never had much elevation on them or height on them which was frustrating, but it still felt kind of fairly okay um, that we're still kind of doing okay. We're holding our own. We were kind of playing very well, you could say, for an away team, having our counter-attacks looking dangerous, trying to utilise them, but still looking fairly well, compact um, defensively. Yes, they were having the odd little moment where they're going to get in behind but and have their chances, but that's going to happen, happen over the course of a football match, but you still can't say that our defence was being stretched or that Travers had to work overtime or anything like that. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, just you mentioned there about that chance with Doherty. I must say that that bit of play, that passage of play that led to that ball in by Doherty on the right hand side. That Roche stepped out from the fence and started that. Um, he he beat the press and then that started the move. And I just thought from that point of view, you are seeing signs of us actually trying yeah. to to get up the pitch and play football to get up the pitch rather than just going boom and long but long and yeah. trying to hit the, the the front man. We were actually trying to. Get it out, and it all kind of stemmed from. A, I think Stevens might have played it back, but but I remember Darroche coming out beating the press, and the ball then makes its way out to the right hand side. I must say, um, I, I mentioned Cole, Seamus Coleman there, but I just thought he really. I know. Look, I'm going to come to their goals in a sec, but I just thought he really commanded that uh, area so well. I thought he was brilliant. I thought it was great to have him back in that team. And we look, he put in the performance. That we all said if he was picked that he would give. We definitely missed his leadership. 
you know, it's been so long since he was back in the team, or so so long since he's been in the team, and now he's back in the team. Is what I meant to say. Sorry, and I just think for someone who doesn't really normally play that centre back position, I know he's kind of just right side kind of covering, but a lot of the time he was getting the ball from from those goal kicks and stuff like that, and he was helping beat the press and turning out and stuff like that. And he's just such a clever footballer. You don't really see him make too many mistakes. He gives the ball simple, always tries to give the simple ball. He's always an outlet. He always makes good angles for the ball. Josh Cullen as well, always feel like he makes really good angles to receive the ball. And same with Jason Malumbi. I think with Jason Malumbi around this kind of hour mark, he starts getting tired and gets subbed off for Hendrick. And then not long after, uh, Aaron Connolly's down with a cramp and he gets replaced by Shane Long couple of minutes later they make two subs which ultimately was to our detriment uh, Mitrovic and Maximovic come on and then even still at that you know I think that was when the game flipped I think we really missed that balance in midfield with Malumbi and Cullen there because Malumbi will like, give you that energy but defensively he's solid too and he holds his shape very well I think that's when we started losing our shape I know Hendrick came on but I don't think he's a very good centre midfielder in terms of a disciplined centre midfielder who's going to sit in front of the defence alongside Josh Cullen. I felt he was playing a little bit further forward. And obviously, Alan Brown was in the number 10 position anyway. So it wasn't probably his duty to get back behind the ball. It was, I think, his duty was more to get into the box like he did when he scored the goal. So I think when Hendrick came on, I mean, I think just think we lost that little bit of balance. And I suppose the next talking point is going to be Mark Travers coming off his line uh, or coming out. See, I think it's it's such a fine margin isn't it like you look at Travers and you look at you can try you can kind of see the ball by Thales is brilliant because it fills not only Travers but Darroche as well because they're kind of both in limbo then it was just a really really good pass as well you gotta you gotta appreciate a good pass if one of our players did it we'd be like oh that's magnificent but such as the critics that we are, obviously, because it's against us, we're like, oh, no, or, you know, it's terrible. So Travers tries to anticipate to be like a sweeper-keeper if the ball kind of... But the ball just seems to kind of stop just perfectly for Mitrovic. And in fairness to Mitrovic, it's an absolutely brilliant finish. And I don't think... I think 9 out of 10 of them go over the bar or go wide. And we just got... We just got done in this case, and unfortunately for Mark Travers in, in this scenario, it was him that got done. But Gary, when when you seen that, and when you seen Travers coming up, were you think because I said it on the watch, I was like, oh no, why are you don't get back on your line, get back on your line. What were you thinking at that point? Yeah, I just you mentioned Tadic because I actually thought he was absolutely superb, and his passing, his movement, uh, for me, he was clearly man of the match, and he looked a real class player. Um, with just about everything he did. And I mean, I, I'm thinking back to watching him in the Premier League with Southampton, where he didn't really, I think, reach that level. But I mean, at Ajax as well, he's looked superb in the Champions League. So maybe just the Premier League. No, he had flashes, don't get me wrong. But uh, on Wednesday night, he just looked a class above anybody else in the park. It was a brilliant ball, as you said. And uh, yeah, Mark Travers, he was at fault. So there's no doubt he was badly positioned. He, was, he wasn't where he should have been. But as you say, Paul, nine times out of ten, even 99 times out of 100, your goalkeeper gets away with that because there still wasn't much much room for, for Mitrovic, Alexander Mitrovic, to put that ball. And it was a superbly executed chip. Um, and someone who, again, to me, hasn't looked that good this season in the Premier League with Fulham. He's only got a couple of goals. But maybe 
uh, worryingly, he had looked very good in that game uh, against Dar O'Shea when Fulham played West Brom. But it was a superb finish. And uh, fortunately, Mark Travers does have to take some of the blame because of his positioning. But I think you also have to give superb credit to Dusan Tadic and Alexander Mitrovic for, for what was a, a wonderful team goal for Serbia. Yeah, when when you saw what ultimately played out, what were you thinking? Yeah, it's it amazing. Um, I was just watching the game back myself last night, and when Tadic plays that ball through, maybe just because I knew what was going to happen, but my eyes were drawn instantly towards Travers. And I was just thinking to myself, why are you so far out? But I think as you were kind of going back to there, you know, the sweeper-keeper instincts, and he's probably maybe, it's one of them as well, Initially, when the ball is played, maybe from Travers' point of view, it looked like it had more on it than there was initially. And he's kind of thinking, if I rush out, I can make this and make the clearance. Obviously, then I think as he realised, oh no, this ball is slowing down and Mitrovic is getting onto it and he just gets caught out as well. Look, I think as Gary said there as well, like you have to kind of lay some of the blame just for his kind of poor position and everything else like that. But when you look back on it and how far out Mitrovic was, like you just have to, one, say it was a piece of absolute brilliance. And two, Mitrovic just showed an unbelievable pair of Leroy there because not many players would have even done what he did. Most players would have seen, I'm one-on-one with the keeper, more or less one-on-one with the keeper, fair enough with an angle or loads of space. I'll just run this in and get myself a nice composed finish. But to have the audacity to take on something, as you said, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to go over the bar or it's going to drop short and Cav- or Travers will catch it. But to finish it like that from outside the box was just pure genius. But from our point of view, unfortunately... It was frustrating, but it's something that, look, Travers, he's going to learn from, and um, it's just disappointing, unfortunately, the way that happened. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I was watching it, and I was just like, oh, and I knew he was going to get caned for it after by fans and stuff yeah. like that. I've seen he's getting abused and stuff like that. It's not right. I, um, it's It was literally, it was a half a mistake, and if the ball goes over the bar, no one talks about it. If it mm. goes wide, no one talks about it, but it, it went in. So ultimately, it is going to be talked about. Um, you know, I think, I think, as you said, Jerry, I think he did think there was a little bit too much on it, but the, yeah. it's just such a clever pass that it catches our defence and our goalkeeper out. And sometimes you just have to appreciate greatness at the same time. Yes, it was, he was a bit far off his line. Yes, he probably thought there was more on it. Um, I wasn't sure because I thought Darrow Shea could have, you know, shepherded him out to the, to the touchliners towards the corner flag. But Mitrovic for Serbia has an unbelievable record. I think yeah. he's 30 odd goals for Serbia yeah. in international football. He, he is really good internationally. Uh, maybe Serbia, uh, he, he, they suited him better, but he's really, really good for them. And in fairness, Milos had said on the preview that, uh, you know, to watch out for him because he is very good for Serbia. And then moments later, or well, that was in the 62nd minute. Uh, he scored the goal, or no, 68 minutes so he scored the goal, and then in the 74th minute, he gets a second because Tadic spins off Cullen, but then after that nobody closes Tadic down, and he's just able to pick out the ball, he gets up ahead uh, on top of Clark, and heads it over it was kind of like a lobbed header it was very controlled over Travers, and it was 3-1 then, and you're just thinking oh no, like I don't it, we, we we barely score anyway, so just, we have to get two more to get back into this. And you're just thinking that this game's game set match. But Gary, when you saw the their third goal go in, what, did you, what were you thinking? Yeah, I, I think there's probably another point to make as well. The first two goals uh, for them gave them superb confidence and they really played. I think the five minutes after the first goal, 
Jerry's already said it, we really needed half time. And uh, otherwise, I think had, they get, had the first half gone on for a couple of more minutes, they would have scored again. And unfortunately, once they got the second goal, uh, they gave us a right chasing and we were uh, we looked a bit ragged. So the third goal was probably coming. And as you said, it was a, a great finish, a great header from Mitrovic. And uh, yeah, it was it was game over. I think, uh, well, we can talk about what subsequently happened, but certainly I thought, yeah, that's game over. I think the Serbian manager, Dragan Stojkovic, thought it was game over as well because you may have noticed he made a number of substitutions. And I think that was with a view to the, the Serbia-Portugal game uh, on Saturday night uh, because that's uh, once they went 3-1 up, I think he thought, yeah, game over. Let's take off the key players and rest them. But the, the few minutes between Serbia scoring their second goal and scoring their third goal, they just looked a, a, a different class to me they, they caused us huge problems and the quality of some of their individual players is, is really breathtaking. And we, frankly, we don't have players of that quality. If anything, I think we have a better team, better organisation, and that may come in time for Serbia. But if you look at the quality of player like Dusan Vlahovic, Dusan Tadic, um, Alexander Mitrovic, and even even the quality of some of the uh, Philip Juric was actually, as Jared mentioned, was superb as well. Even if you look at the quality of players on the bench, the likes of Philip Kostic and uh, Sergi Milkan- uh, Mil- Milkanovic, Savage, whatever way you pronounce that Lazio player. Sorry, I'm murdering it. Milenkovic, Milenkovic, Savage. Thanks, Paul. Um, another class player with Lazio. So uh, Luka Jovic was on the bench. Uh, Real Madrid, what did they pay? 60 million or something for him? He's And he's still banging the goals in now with Eintracht Frankfurt. And I mean, all of these players would be nailed on to start with us. So uh, at times, and particularly for the second and third goal, they were simply breathtaking. Uh, and we couldn't live with that. Yeah, well, you did mention there about him making the substitutes. I think Tadic went off anyway. But Jer, uh at that point, when the when the third goal went in, were you optimistic you could get back into it, or w- w- what way were you feeling? Well, a lot of optimism talking keeping it after the first goal, to be brutally honest. But uh, no, even when the second goal went in, because of the fact we've gone so long without getting the goal, I think George Hamilton touched on commentary afterwards when Collins got the goal later on, which we'll touch on. To, it's the first time since Moldova away we scored more than a goal in the away match, and that's touching five years this autumn. So that just tells you how how slim it always was going to be with the time lim- limit that was left as well. It was always going to be difficult. And I think as Gary touched on there as well, the tide had really turned in the game after the second goal. Their individual quality just started to shine through. Tadic, as you both touched on, was just excellent throughout the night. And yeah, again, when you look at the third goal, like fair enough, like as you said, like he spins Cullen, so he takes Cullen kind of out of it. But someone has to kind of press up and just put the pressure on him. It's even a little bit annoying as well if you want to be critical. You know, Mitrovic beats two of them for that header. Again, I think that's just down to sheer raw power because as we've seen in his time in the Premier League with Newcastle and Fulham, he is just a physical beast and he can be a big body to centre-backs. Um, so it was always going to be slim. To be honest, I was even surprised that we actually got the goal back towards the end. But it was still encouraging, obviously, the fact that we scored two goals away from home despite the fact that we um, that we lost, that we can like take that going forward. And even... Just to touch on there as well, Gary was mentioning about the individual quality. That's probably what the difference was, because I think overall, in general, as we touched on, like for an hour, we were probably slightly the better team. And overall, in the overall balance, 
a draw was probably a fair result, I thought, last night. But was that a little bit of individual quality, you know, with Tadic playing Europa League, Champions League football with Ajax, um, Vlavic as well, in great form in Serie A. And even some of the players that Gary touched on, Jovic, like, he's a real, he's on the books of Real Madrid and he comes on as a sub for them. Savage is playing the Champions League with Lazio. He doesn't even come on. Whereas we have, like, Sir James Collins struggling to play for a Luton Town team mid-table in the Championship. So likewise with James McLean, which is struggling with injuries. Robbie Brady coming on, you know, with a struggling Burnley team in the Premier League. It's just, unfortunately, them little things probably swayed the game in Serbia's favour in the end. I just think, you know, just on that, because with their players, they even had a lad playing in midfield that was playing for Valencia as well. So like That's right, yeah. team, they, Jukic, was it? Yeah, so they um they have good quality all around the pitch, do you know what I mean? Whereas we're kind of going, Okay, well Matt Hardy plays for Spurs and James Cohen plays for Everton and they're probably our two best players on the pitch. Um and Doherty kind of struggling to get into the Spurs team every week as well, you know. So yeah, you can definitely see that their quality ultimately played out. You said there, you know, as well that we were largely the better team. I think defensively we were possession based, they obviously were in terms of they were creating more chances, but I just think that we limited them to very little and defensively I suppose we would say that we were the better team, but like they would probably argue that they were the one dominating us in terms of possession and stuff like that. And you can't really argue that to to no. be fair. But uh, then obviously Steven makes the, the triple subs when we concede the goal. He brings on James Collins, James McLean and Robbie Brady and he takes off Callum Robinson, Alan Brown and who was the other Kieran Clark came off. So Stephen really wanted to try and get a result here. You know, he didn't settle for oh let's keep it a three one and not try and concede anymore. He did try to get back into the game. Now appreciate we didn't have a whole lot to kind of shout about to probably we got our, our goal which was basically Shane Long doing what Shane Long does and chasing lost causes. I showed great awareness to realise that uh James Collins was, was close to him. It was just a little, that deft little touch and that little bit of experience where other players may, maybe try to go for goal there or something like that. But it was a deft little touch. And uh, James Collins then, he, he he's not going to miss from there. Although I actually thought it was quite a good finish considering there was a Serbian player sliding in and it doesn't hit off that, that Serbian player as it goes in. And he just follows it in to make sure it goes in. Um, probably was thinking I'm not going to let this be an own goal and he gets his first competitive goal in fairness to me all good strikers follow it in and he put it in and at that point then we're going okay we had our tails back up and we actually looked like we were going to get back into it Gary when the goal went in because I didn't get the cha- a chance to see your uh, your reaction maybe on Instagram so what were, what were you thinking when the goal went in? So I think it did come a little bit out of the blue I, th- I think I'll be honest I mean I, I know Stephen and, and credit him for for going for it and taking the chance at three one down, but I, I thought it was game over at three one, and uh, he did run the risk, of course, of it becoming four and five one and potentially having uh, take a lot of criticism for that. Um, brilliant from Shane Long in particular to chase it down. It was a bit of a lost lost cause, and again, as I said, he had the presence, the awareness of mind to to lay it back for James Collins instead of taking it on from pretty much an impossible angle and uh, yeah James Collins did really well to, to follow it in um, bit of a scrambled one at first it was a bit of a scrambled effort I suppose but once it went in it was definitely game on and uh, I thought yeah th- th- these guys are going to get nervous because it, it, you're 3-1 up you've taken off your best players you're, you're, you have half an eye on tomorrow night's game and suddenly they're 
they were they were nervous. I mean, it's back to three two, and uh, I thought, yeah, this this is game on. We've got a real chance here, and I suppose unfortunately we didn't. Um, well, I know we got a corner and whatever else, but we didn't really pressure them enough, or we didn't create any more chances because I, I thought there was just a glimmer there. And maybe if we had a few more minutes to just even a few set pieces, put a couple of balls into the box that we could have nicked an equaliser. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's correct. We ultimately we ran out of time. I don't think we were ever actually going to get the third goal. I think it might have been wishful thinking. Like obviously we would have wanted and loved for it to, to, to go. But I think as you mentioned there, the goal came out of the blue, didn't it? So, you know. Yeah, at, I think at, I mean, at that it, point, it looked, like. It looked we never looked like we were going to score, one. you know. Jer, yeah. when yeah, you saw the goal go in. Yeah, same. Like, to be honest, the goal kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't see us getting back into it after probably 2-1, definitely 3-1. And as you kind of said, like, did I ever really kind of fully believe? I know as Gary touched on, maybe they weren't fully focused because they had um, some of their players taken off and we had now the little bit of momentum. But... I still didn't fully believe as if we were going to kind of get that extra little bit of spark or creativity to create another chance to get a goal. I know we had the corner and stuff like that. Maybe it's a case of if the goal came, I think the goal came on the 86th minute, if it even came five minutes earlier, you know, we would have had a full 10 minutes plus injury time. I just kind of felt it still came a little bit too late just to kind of really rally the troops. And I think Serbia were still going to be hell-bent and focused on making sure they didn't cough up um another goal but look it's just um it's just unfortunate it's it's a weird one like if, if you told us before the game we were scoring to score two goals away from home i probably thought we we're going to win the match to be brutally honest um because i always felt defense we were going to be quite solid and even though we did give up three goals it's not like we gave up a half full of chances like in you know previous matches I think back to like even the time about germany at home like they battered us you know um the Wales victory as well in Cardiff and McLean scored like they had numerous chances. It literally was literally Serbia took whatever chances they had. So just frustrating from that point of view. But overall, there's still plenty of positives to, to take and it's finally good just to get the monkey off the back and not just get one goal, but now to get a couple of goals. Yeah, I agree. I think, look, overall, it finished 3-2 to them, didn't it? And, you know, I think we could take positives out of the fact that we got the goal thing is gone now. That hoodoo is gone. It, like, even if we went another five games with a goal, it's gone for now anyway. Um, I don't think that would be the case. I think people, are, they're buying into what Steven's saying. We've got to remember the bigger players that we were missing for this game as well. I think it'll be a different game in Dublin. I think we'll know what to expect a bit more from them and we'll know what to be wary of. But we'll also have, you know, I don't think John Egan loses that header to Mitrovic in the box. Do you know what I mean? So... Or Shane Duffy even, and that's what I was saying in my starting eleven show to maybe have you know Duffy and and Clark in that scenario, but then you're taking away from Darroche's ball playing skills as well. So look, I can see I'm not critical of Stephen in this case. I know some people are and saying he's an amateur coach and he's out of his depth this that and the other. But I thought we we made a good account of ourselves. We you know people were questioning were we going to be the same outfit defensively under Stephen, and I think if you look far too quick for our goals that they got. I think largely defensively we were quite good and we defended well. You know, we kept our shape well. I think when Stephen gets a large chunk to work with this team, I think we'll start seeing really good signs of our team really improving. But I think at the same time we still need to be patient as fans. And I said 
I say it all the time. I know we are. I, I'm willing to play a longer kind of game. There's people on onto me on Twitter and saying, "Oh, but it's not good enough." Would you be saying? Would 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 you be giving Martin O'Neill this much leeway and stuff like this? But Martin O'Neill had one. There was no changing of the guard. It was a it was a you know lump it and chase it into the channel type of football. I actually enjoy watching Ireland play. Um, I definitely enjoyed our performance the other night. You can see what we're trying to do. It's not going to happen overnight. I appreciate that, but like when you have, I think Seamus Coleman going forward has to start um, if he's fit. I think you can see how much he adds to our team. Uh, he's just he's just brilliant. No matter where you put him, like I think tactically he's flexible. So you can put him as a, a right winger. You can put him as a right back. You can put him as centre back on the right hand side as well. I think going forward, I think Josh Cullen has to be that six now. He's shown that he can deliver. Um, in that position, he gets the ball. He's always screening. He's giving it and stuff like that. So overall, um, Callum Robinson for me got man of the match. I thought he chased down everything. I thought he was really good. He obviously got the assist. I think Alan Brown done quite well in terms of the goal. Maybe not his overall play, but yeah, I think overall, I think three two. There's not much you can really say. I think we were going into the game hoping that we would get a one one draw or you know a draw at best and to to finish it three two and to finish strongly. I thought was was good. People may say that's a defeatist attitude or whatever, but I I gotta be realistic. If we spoke about their bench compared to ours, and look, it's night and day compared to to their bench and ours, and that's what made the difference, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I think I think they just about deserve to win. In fairness, uh, but I think as you said, Paul, they have quality players and players playing at far bigger clubs. Than our players, and and ultimately, that made the difference. Just that bit of quality, and in, in particular in Dusan Tadic, and uh, but there were a lot of encouraging signs, and hopefully we'll we'll kick on from that. I mean, it is going to be very very difficult for us to even get the playoff out of this group, and I I I think qualifying for Qatar is a big big ask, and. Uh, Probably, if I'm being honest and realistic, I think it's unlikely. I think it would be some achievement to even get runners-up because Portugal are probably another level above that Serbia team. And uh, even though they, they struggled to a 1-0 win over Azerbaijan on Wednesday night. So there were quite a number of positive signs, as you said. And looking to the future, and what I'm really looking for from this campaign our performances like that, positive signs, players like Josh Cullen showed on Wednesday night that they're going to be here, they're going to be around for the long haul. And I, I think we're going to see the best out of this group of players in the qualifiers for Germany 2024 because that's a tournament I think I'd certainly expect us to qualify and perform at. And uh, so for, for this campaign, I'm really looking for performances and for a lot of the younger players to, to come through and put their hand up and say, um, I should be starting every time. Jared, do you have anything to, to add to that before we wrap up? No, just kind of, yeah, just very similar to what Gary was going to say. I never really had much optimism, unfortunately, for even finishing second in this group. I just felt it was going to be a campaign soon, soon for us. And then when you see the fixtures, Serbia away, the team are going to be competing for that second spot away. You kind of know already that the group is nearly going to hang on that. Like We now have to win the return game in Dublin to give ourselves any chance of finishing second. That we also have to pray as well that Serbia aren't going to take anything off Portugal. But, 
you wouldn't know like Portugal only stumbled to a one 0 victory against um Azerbaijan the night now but looking at their team like they had Mantinho playing, they had Neto playing, Bruno Fernandes wasn't starting, so maybe they have one eye on this Serbia match. And as Gary kind of agrees, like it's just as long as for the rest of this campaign we do what's required, we get the maximum points off both Luxembourg and Azerbaijan, we finish third, we can get a couple of positive results in the other three matches, see signs of progression that we kind of are heading the right direction, protect that seeding then going forward for Euro 2024. Because I do agree with Gary, it's probably going to be an easier tournament to qualify. And I do think a lot more of these players will be seasoned. They'll be a lot more developed and progressed in their career. And it will be a good chance. I think then is definitely a risk to game to see Ireland playing at a major tournament. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's, it's a longer game we need to play here. But yeah. look, as I said, Stephen may get a time to work with the players in June. Um, and I think there's a couple of friendlies to be announced for that as well. So let's see how... That goes, but we definitely need a win against Luxembourg this weekend. So I think just to wrap it up on that note, uh, huge thanks for coming on and talking about that, lads. And uh, anyone who's watching, let us know your thoughts in the comments. Uh, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe. If you want to follow the lads, follow the lads. And uh, don't forget to follow us on social media as well. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for watching. Take care and God bless. The IFF TV Podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate and subscribe.